TFM. Welcome, boomers, to another episode of Warp Five, our dedicated enterprise podcast. I'm Christopher Jones, and with me, as he always is, is my esteemed co-host Matthew Rushing. And Matthew, I kind of want to switch to the back of the ship. Would you mind taking my seat here? I promise that this guy next to me by the window, he's not going to cause you any problems. No, Chris, I'm a starship. Captain, I'm not a smuggler. I shouldn't be here at all. Sure oh, you gosh, are. Why? Sure you are. Come on. Yeah, I should have tried that when they put me on this ship. You know, Captain Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everyone, we're going to continue our 20th anniversary rewatch of Star Trek Enterprise today with the 17th episode of Season 2. We're going to Canamar. Tis a scary place, Matthew. That's what I hear, and I don't really want this uh, flight to end. So can we find maybe some way to get off this ship? I think we can blow our way out of here somehow. Yes, everyone, this (laughs) is the episode where Captain Archer and Commander Tucker almost get themselves put into prison. Here's a quick rundown. The Enterprise rendezvous with Shuttle Pod 1 to meet Captain Archer and Commander Tucker, who had been on a mission to make first contact with the Enolians. They find the shuttle dead in space, however, and after reviewing the logs, they believe Archer and Trip were abducted, and they begin a search with the help of Enolian authorities. Meanwhile, the captain and commander fight for their lives aboard a prison vessel, transporting them to a penal colony called Canamar. And Trip gets stuck by the chatty passenger. So, Matthew, we're just going to talk about Zumas the whole time today, right? (laughs) You know, it's it's really interesting. Uh, I I think that's a a great place to start, and 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 part of it, I think, is this episode. I think does an excellent job of reminding us that we are in a place in this series where the Enterprise crew really knows so little about the galaxy that they're exploring. And this episode, I think, really sets up us kind of running into aliens that feel alien. You know, what they think is normal and what they do is completely different than how we would handle the situation. And um, I appreciate that about the episode i think you know it is one of the things to which you know zumas is specifically this kind of annoying character but it it gives you an insight that not every person that we run across is going to look or act or think in a way that we do right and i I think that's exemplified in that character specifically It's done really well because, yes, it gets and it grates on our nerves. But I do think that there's actually a point to that happening that goes beyond just this being an annoying character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. And it's someone who, like Zumas, he's this 
Trader, when you look at him, I remember when this first aired, my initial reaction was that he was supposed to be some kind of Nausicaan, but then obviously he's not because there's an actual one here, but he's just this, yeah, different kind of alien. I, I don't think his species has ever been given a name, in fact, but yeah, you do find that there are these people that know so much about what's going on in this little corner of the galaxy anyway. And yeah, it's an educational experience for Trip for sure, and a test of his patience. And then you mentioned that we're seeing how our crew, the humans in particular, maybe T'Pol knows a lot, but the humans don't know that much about what's happening out in the galaxy at this point. And even sort of, it's almost like a meta commentary here in universe at the very end, Archer's final line when he doesn't accept the apology of the Anolian, And he says, you're aware my engineer and I were falsely arrested. We almost wound up in Canamar. And I was thinking, you know, this happens to a lot of Starfleet officers. People are getting arrested and trapped in places all the time. But for Archer, it's new, right? Like, I didn't think we were going to get like falsely arrested and thrown into penal colonies out here in space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean... Again, I, I think this is an episode that kind of uh, reiterates uh, some of the things that Enterprise has been doing for its uh, first season and now into the second season, which is putting these characters in these really unfamiliar situations for them. And I think what's interesting is to think about where the series is going and which is going to be, you know, humanity's, I think, first major test as to being confronted with an alien species that wants their extinction. Mm-hmm. And so this, in many ways, kind of becomes a, a a benchmark, I think, this episode of where we're going to go. And I, I think this episode also, you know, by the end of it, one of the things that it does is it, it, Archer is rightly frustrated archer is uh rightly indignant towards this alien race who says it's a major trading post and yet just willy-nilly searched their vessel impounded them and put them on a ship towards canamar which we still don't even really know what canamar is other than thinking it's probably some terrible like work camp or like ruapente mm-hmm. style yeah, place like ruapente I, I think of but maybe not icy I mean, yeah Right, exactly. Maybe it's more like Mustafar or something. Who knows? Um, but <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I, I again, I, I think this episode kind of hints at a slight jadedness for Archer, kind of creeping in because this mm-hmm. is not the first time this has happened, and his reaction at the very end of the episode where he's like, you want a report? Let me give you a report. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just so angry and so indignant yeah. because, you know, he almost died. Right. Um, and so, and, and it also, I think goes to show just how differently alien races look at things as compared to us. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this episode is doing a classic Star Trek thing, which is, it helps shine a light and and give us a mirror to look at those places where our society may do the exact same thing. Well, that's a key point to it, right? Because you talk about a trading post and 
you look at some societies on Earth. I mean, China is a a key one where it is a key center of trade. It is a key uh, place in our world where businesses have to operate. But yet, it's also a society where someone might get caught up in something like this, where someone might, you know, Archer and Trip might enter the country and find themselves being falsely arrested. That's just the reality of of how that works. And so it it is mirroring situations that we do find in our own world. And I think that it it opened the door to commentary like that with the final line, which I just quoted, but I didn't quote the entire line because after that Archer says well, he says we almost wound up in Canamar, makes me wonder how many others don't belong there. And so that final line itself could be an entire story about how people are uh, incarcerated for things that they didn't do, maybe just because they were in the wrong place at the wrong time, and there's no system to actually address uh, whether they're guilty or not. And that's something that has happened throughout human history right. and continues to happen now. And it's the kind of thing that Star Trek would address in an episode in one of its stories. And here, I mean, it, it touches on it, but only within the context of what's actually happening to Trip and Archer in the moment. It's not addressing the overall larger situation, uh, you know, with something like, the healthcare system on Voyager with mm-hmm. critical care, I think is the episode, right? Where they're looking at like the broader issue, uh, but they could, you know, that could be the seed for a story. Yeah. Well, I mean, and specifically here, I, you know, we're, we're stuck in a situation in this episode where, you know, there is no justice system. People mm-hmm. are just picked up. They are, uh, basically tried and convicted without any court whatsoever. It's just, yeah, they're picked up doing something suspicious and we throw them in Canamar, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think this really speaks to, uh, you know, there are many places in our world where that happens. Uh, And so absolutely people in those places end up in prison for having done absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like you said, just being at the wrong place in the wrong time. And so it is an important story, and I, I think, you know, the the other thing that I was really struck by with this episode is just the way in which Archer has clearly adapted to being able to play with a situation in a way that he wouldn't have been able to do in the first season, mm-hmm. and I actually this episode was one in which I felt like you really saw that I, that Trip has kind of learned how to be able to play with situations much more than he had previously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I thought that was a really nice thing to be able to see. You know, we're about midway through season two now, maybe a little past that. And it just felt like these two characters watching this, I've I've they're handling this in a way that they wouldn't have been able to handle it if this had happened in the first season. Right, and yeah. so that experience yeah. is is really coming to play here, which I I really liked. Yeah, because in the beginning, Archer was the kind of person who would 
meet aliens and say, hey, here's a map to our home planet. It's called Earth. Let's be pals. And everything was expected to be friendly. And over time, with the things that we've seen happen, with the Sulaban and you know, the internment camps, all the kind of stuff that, that they've experienced to this point. Yeah, they've they've learned that things aren't peachy out here in space and that they may find themselves in situations like this. And I think especially that sometimes they have to pretend to be people that they aren't, play roles, do things that they wouldn't otherwise do to try to get themselves out of situations. Here with Archer, you know, he's he's trying to play along the idea that he himself is this smuggler and this traitor. But Kuroda is not really buying it. He's very, very suspicious because he's like a hardened criminal, it appears. Uh, I think a lot of people on this ship are innocent, but Kuroda is not. And that's, you know, one of the points here. People are caught up in uh, the situation that's been created by someone who actually has committed crimes and broken out of Canamar and he's not really buying into Archer's thing. I mean, Archer, Archer's doing a good job of like the typical Star Trek thing of like kind of playing along undercover while he's going to send a message or something. And, you know, Kuroda just shoots the thing and it's gone. You know, the transmitter is gone at that point. And so Archer has to improvise more, but you see how Archer's trying to balance what he needs to do to save himself and trip and he wants to save the other passengers some of whom might be guilty like i said and some of whom might not but archer still doesn't want to kill everybody and he's trying to find a way to get out of that situation and so you see that that um humanity and that leadership role as a captain coming through and i do think it's interesting to watch him learning to morph with the situation but not lose sight of those ethics and values that he has because when we see other captains later on the timeline like Kirk, Picard, Janeway they're already more skilled at doing that whereas here we're watching a captain actually develop right before our eyes. Yeah, I mean... I really like what you're saying there just because, and I think, you know, on top of Archer and Trip being able to handle the situation in a way that's much better than they would have previously, I think I, I the watching Archer deal with the morality of the choices he's he's having to make and not cross a line that he can't undo here was really interesting. And at the same time, try to get him and Trip safely back to Enterprise. And, the I mean, I, I just, I loved the moral conundrum that he's in here. And I think one of the benefits of this episode is that he doesn't really, there's there's no point in the episode where Trip and, and Archer really have time to talk about that. Mm-hmm. It's just, it it's a, one of the perfect things uh, when television does it right is they just show you, they don't tell mm-hmm. you something. Mm-hmm. And so you're able to, every you know moment there where uh, he isn't being watched like a hawk, uh, you, you get those 
those pieces into Archer's soul of the struggle that he is encountering uh, as he's trying to make these decisions that seem, you know, bad guy enough to get him uh, off Kamar's radar, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, um, aren't so bad that they're willy-nilly just killing people. And so I just really appreciate, I think this is an episode in which walks that line very well. And it also, I think it's a it's a classic example of allowing us as the audience to be able to be in that moment with the character, but not just have the character tell us what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. We're just kind of able to soak it up by the performance of the actor. And I think mm-hmm. that's fantastic. Another thing I think that this episode touches on maybe a little bit, it's not an explicit part of the story, is how in a situation like this, we were talking about earlier how there are societies where people are simply imprisoned because they may be falsely accused of something, which was the case here with Kuroda originally in his backstory. And then there's no system for them to have a trial. They're just incarcerated. And how that actually can turn people truly into the criminals that the government is supposedly trying to round up because that's what happens with Kuroda where he and his father are accused of stealing. They're arrested. They're put into this penal colony and he eventually gets out. But because of his experiences in Kanemar, once he gets out, he actually does start to do these bad things. He actually does become a criminal and then he's recaptured and had that never happened to him in the first place because he was only 14 years old at the time, you know, probably his life would have taken a completely other path, maybe. And so it's another case where the the system is actually creating the very problem that it claims to be solving. Yeah, I, uh, I completely agree with you. And I, I think on the flip side of this, is watching the Anolians be confronted by T'Pol and being so flippant and uncaring uh, about the situation in the first place. And it's not until I think they realize that, you know, Enterprise is a exploratory vessel, uh, but Enterprise is also um, a vessel uh, on that can cause some serious damage, right? And so it's like they have a different mm-hmm. reaction once they realize who they're dealing with. And then, you know, we get the the representative on Enterprise that's trying to help them mm-hmm. from the Anolians. And uh it it was it was just a, a really interesting thing uh to to kind of watch play out because it also goes, you know, again to to playing with, you know, people aren't cared about until they're backed up by a government or a group that can actually do something about it. And, you know, I, I think this is this feels very familiar, I think, because we have all most of us have lived long enough to have seen people that have been taken in countries. Uh, and, you know, put into these prisons 
for reasons that are completely unlawful in any mm-hmm. society, uh, except for the one that they're in. And we've then seen the reactions from the government that's holding them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and depending on which country they're up against, what's going to happen. And right. so, uh, you know, it, it was just, it was interesting because there's a lot of subtle power dynamics I felt like happening in the episode. Mm-hmm. And it just, it, it goes to that point you were making earlier about what happens to the people that don't have that backup, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't have that ability. And then, you know, you're left in this place where they're never going to get help. And then they may actually, you know, if they ever are released from that prison, they may actually turn into the villains uh, that they were said to be in the first place, even though they weren't. It's just it's this terrible cycle. So I just really think that that is is such a uh, an interesting thing for Enterprise to be dealing with here. But also just I think it makes for a really interesting thing for them to run into, which reminds them that, you know, this mission of exploration is not one that is always going to be enjoyable or um, you're not always going to meet the world's nicest people. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, which is what exploring our world would have been like hundreds of years ago, right, when... The world was uh, unknown to people from various parts of the world that were sailing yes, to yeah. other parts um, and uh, encountering uh, cultures that were alien to them and they were alien to that culture. Yep. So, another interesting thing about this episode in terms of the lack of a justice system like we're talking about is that it actually grew out of judgment which is going to be coming up in a couple of episodes here and it was part of the story um david goodman was talking about this on the commentary for it that they were you know breaking the story for judgment and there was this idea of the fact that the enterprise would encounter a prison ship that Archer's on and he would need to be rescued. And uh, he said that Brandon Braga liked that. And so they ended up turning it into its own story. But it's just interesting that uh, while developing a story that turns into something familiar with judgment, where we're dealing with a familiar situation, with the Klingons and tying into your favorite movie, favorite Star Trek movie, The Undiscovered Country, we end up getting this kind of spinoff of a situation that is a bit on the generic side, especially if you put it into a later Star Trek series on the timeline, a bit on the generic side. But I think it makes sense as we're talking about here today for Enterprise, because we can get these unknown worlds, unknown situations that might feel out of place on the next generation or Deep Space Nine because the universe is, or the the quadrant, the alpha beta quadrant, is so crowded at that point in history. Yep. Yep. But here it's unexplored, and so you can do something like mm-hmm. this uh, and and tell a story on this series. 
Yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely right. And I think it's one of the things that, you know, with enterprise, uh, you might, and I'm sure people probably came into this episode and, and they may have kind of poo-pooed it for those very reasons of the, the fact that it does feel very generic. Uh, if you've seen 600 hours of Star Trek to that point. Right. right? And, and yet, um, I think this episode absolutely makes sense in the story that we're telling here, hundred years before Captain Kirk, where yes, the, uh, we, you know, Deep Space Nine was said to be set in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. This is truly the final frontier right now. There, there is no, um, you know, frontier boundary because everything is the frontier at this point. And in that exploration, they are constantly running into situations and people and places that have never been explored and, you know, um, may have never been talked to by even the Vulcans at this point. And therefore, you are constantly running into either trouble or, you know, just interesting things to explore. And, and here's a place where you run into a society to which runs in a completely different way and countercultural to everything that, you know, we as, you know, Starfleet would would uh, stand for. And it, it puts our characters in a really uh, tough position. And it it also, I think, the best thing you, you, I could say about this episode is the way in which it allows our characters, specifically Archer and Trip, to show just how much they have evolved to be able to deal with the situations that they're running into. But it also shows, I think, the wear and tear that this mission is taking on them as well. Um, And, you know, that's again where I love that end of the episode where Archer is just fed up and he is done. And I appreciate that we allow the character to have that righteous indignation at this because this should not have happened but it did. And Mm -hmm. um, it felt very much like uh, his reaction felt very much like the way Cisco would react if this had happened to him. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah, definitely. And so I really, again, that's one of those things I just really liked uh, about uh, this episode and the way in which, uh, you know, we're, we're watching Archer have to deal with these type of things. So. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Now, on a on a lighter note, one thing that I notice about this episode, first of all, this episode was nominated for an Emmy Award for prosthetic makeup effects. And we do get a range of aliens here, including Zumas, which is, he has quite an elaborate uh, prosthetic uh, for his face. But we also get the Enolians. And with the Enolians... Do you notice that they look a little bit similar to the Paclids? They're kind of like more fit, slimmer Paclids if you look at their cheeks. and uh, they, they do, yeah. It, yeah, and so in my head canon, I'm wondering if the Anolians, if it's kind of like in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where <laughs> there's that world, the, the Golga Frenchans, they put the useless part of their population onto that fleet of ships 
and and programmed them to fly to Earth and crash, and they're actually our ancestors. So these are like all the idiots <laughs> from their planet that they shipped off. They told them that their planet was going to be destroyed. And uh, so they shipped them off and then they crash on Earth. And they are our ancestors and the actual natives of Earth died off because of uh, the influence of these new people that got there. But I, I just was wondering, if you look at the Enolians and you look at the Paclids, I just picture that at some point in the past, the uh, the Enolians just <laughs> rounded up everyone who we now know is a Paclid <laughs> And just put them on a fleet of ships uh, and, and really shipped them off and they crashed on Pac-Led Planet. And eventually nice. they learned how to build clump ships and <laughs> make themselves go. That's, I love that. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, I mean, so I don't know what else. This, this is one of those episodes, too, where I don't feel as though... I don't know. I guess maybe I'm wrapping up with final thoughts, but like, <laughs> sure. I don't. I don't love and or hate the episode. Yeah, I think it's yeah. a good episode, but I don't think it's a great episode. Yeah, same. and so it's one of those things where, as I was watching it, I think we talked about all the good things that it does, but it's not particularly memorable. Right. And so I don't know. I'd I'd probably give it three out of five. Um, because I'm I'm willing to be a little bit more generous because of some of the things we were able to talk about with it. But on the same side, you know, I could also see a day where this is like a two and a half out of five. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's 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 a compact story, right? There's not we really don't have multiple things happening that are interesting to explore the way that we do with a majority of Star Trek episodes. And so it's straightforward in that sense. And I mentioned that it grew out of the breaking of the story for judgment. And it kind of feels that way where there's this story element that you feel like could be its own story. And so you develop that into its own story, but it's a little bit short of being right. a fully developed, well-rounded, yep. engaging episode. And so mm -hmm. for that reason, yeah, I'm with you. And I'm just going to give it actually only five glasses of Enolian Spice Wine. Well, and, and you know, I was looking, Chris, and, and this is something we have talked about many times when we've, you know, talked about uh, Star Trek Picard or Strange New Worlds uh, in reference to the way Star Trek was classically done with these longer seasons. And I, I think, you know, in all honesty, this is an episode that probably just shouldn't have been an episode. They didn't need to have 26 episodes this season. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, that's again, this episode is not like horrible. It's not, it's not the worst episode you've ever seen, but it's also just an episode to which I don't really think adds a lot to the rest of the series overall or even necessarily to the season mm -hmm. and therefore it's one of those things where i think we we could have just had one less episode and in the season would have been just fine yeah 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 because if i look at the list of episodes for season two up to this point i don't really see many that i would drop 
(laughs) I might say precious cargo, though I know you'll disagree with me on that one. (laughs) How dare you, Chris? (laughs) But but coming up beyond this, there are a couple in this one and and another one or two anyway that I think could be dropped if you were not trying to stretch the season to 26. And so knowing that the next season we get 24 and then we get 22 after that, if this season, if Scott Bakula had gotten his wish already for season two and they weren't doing 26, this might be one that would have been dropped. Yeah. 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 Which, uh, you know, leads me to say, uh, saw an article the other day about uh, how the series could have gone on for seven years. Scott mm-hmm. Bakula talked about if you know if they were still a syndicated show, it would have been a hit, and they would have gone on easily for seven years. So, you know, it's uh, it it is it is just a reminder that this this show deserved more. Um, and it's it's not because of episodes like this. Uh, and yet at the same time, it's not a terrible episode of television either. So I I think that that's um. That's something to be said for even though neither of us love this episode, it's not like we hated watching it and thought it was the worst episode ever either. No, so, not at all. Not um, at all. That that's that's a really important thing to to be able to say. Yeah. Okay. This comment is for a discussion for another time because we're not going to delve into this right now. But I think that not only if Enterprise had been syndicated, would it have gone for seven seasons, but if it were being made today in the streaming environment, it also would continue going because the cancellation of Enterprise had very little at all to do with what's happening on the screen. It had to do with broadcast television, with the direction that UPN was headed, with a change in management and programming, and it just didn't fit them anymore. And its numbers actually would be considered good in today's world. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't, you know, it wasn't what... uh, the next generation was getting in particular because even Voyager was yeah. falling off, you know, towards the end because all sorts of aspects of television the and viewership they had all were changed. changing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all right, everyone, we would love to hear your thoughts on Canamar. There are many ways for you to share those with us. The best way probably is to join the Babel Conference on Facebook. That is our listeners group. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L to find it. And if not, just type the whole name, the Babel Conference. They're in the search field on Facebook. It is a closed group, so if you're joining for the first time, please do answer the questions and agree to the rules of the forum so that I can let you in. We have it closed because we want it to be just for listeners. It's an extension of the conversations we have on the podcast, and we'd love to chat with you there. You can also send us email. Go to our website, trek.fm slash contact. Use the form you find there. Choose to send to a show and choose Warp 5, and that will come to Matthew and me by email. And you can find us everywhere in social media. Our username is trekfm. Now, Matthew, when you're not figuring out how to break out of those handcuffs that someone has put on you just for being a 49ers fan, where can people find you? Well, uh, you can find me all over the place. (laughs) I have a 49ers trash can in my studio, so don't worry. There you go. Um, But uh, you can, uh, and yeah, uh, go 49ers. Um, So I guess by the time this comes out, we'll know whether they've made it further or not. So anyway, that's a whole other, that's our sports ball podcast. That's right. Uh, But you can find me (laughs) on 
uh, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and Vero under the name Matt Rushing Zero Two. Uh, you can also find me here on the network doing the Six Hundred Two Club. We talk so much Star Trek. We've got to have a place to talk all the other fandoms we love. So we hope you'll join us there. Uh, I'm also doing literary treks about the books and the comics of Star Trek. Chris, you and I are now talking about our thirtieth anniversary rewatch over on the Orb for Deep Space Nine, which is so exciting. Uh, and then we are doing Saddle Up. <laughs> about strange new worlds and star trek picard season three chris it's coming so soon and you'll be able to hear us talk all about that on the artificial tango are are you as excited as i am about this oh yeah i'm doing my hip exercises every day so i can make sure that my tango is in full proper form oh are you doing that class with uh crusher and troy oh yeah of course who else okay uh, I hope you're in one of those outfits too. Anyway, uh, you can also find me on the Nerd Party Network doing Owl Post with Drea Kaufman as we talked about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series, one chapter at a time, and then doing aggressive negotiations with John Mills as we talk about Star Wars each and every week. Uh, but, you know, uh, Chris, when you're not trying to figure out what's in that gruel, where can people find you? Yeah, um, it's not too bad, but I don't think I would want to eat it for seven years. When I'm not doing that, I'm grabbing a burrito and podcasting with you on all those shows that you mentioned here that we do together on the network. Also with Larry Nemechek from time to time, we do The Ready Room. Always busy with my other work, publishing magazines. And you can catch me in other podcasts in the back catalog. I'm on a lot of shows from over the past 12 years. So check those out if you want to hear more about Star Trek. And if you want to chat about Star Trek with me on social media or anything else, you can find me. My username is C Brian Jones, letter C and Brian with a Y. That's my username everywhere. Twitter is where I am most active and I'd love to chat with you there. And if you'd like to help us keep this show and all the shows we mentioned, all our rewatches, 20th Anniversary Enterprise, 30th Anniversary DS9, all that stuff going. We could definitely use your help. It takes a lot of money to produce and distribute these podcasts. And if you'd like to support the network, just visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash trekfm. And I'd like to send a huge thank you to everyone who's supporting us right now. We truly would not be here without your help. Well, Matthew, I'm looking forward to the next time we talk. And I'm a little bit worried about possibly being possessed during the discussion but you know we'll get across the crossing somehow well i mean i guess uh let's go 